Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. And we are live. Welcome to the NBA Strategy Show. It is Thursday, January 18th. I am Josh Engelman. I am joined by Greg Ehrenberg. We are brought to you by BetMGM. Five-game slate ahead of a 7.30 lock. Better than all of the ridiculous value we got down the stretch yesterday. Could get that again today. Who knows? Maybe we see Tyrese Halliburton on the floor. We will see. We are going to see Marvin Bagley, I believe. That should be a great time. <laughs> Hit the like button. Subscribe to the channel. Hit the notification bell so you know when everything goes live. Follow us both on Twitter. What's going on, Greg? Yeah, it's uh, going to be a weird slate. Like you said, uh, looks like it's going to potentially be a Marvin Bagley night, which have never failed this year. Every Marvin Bagley night has been a, a rousing success. So excited to get back to whatever the hell it is that the Detroit Pistons, or sorry, the uh, Washington Wizards decides to do now with Bagley, considering that he's been traded from the Pistons. So uh, yeah, just a couple weeks to go until the trade deadline, and we're already seeing it come into play with uh, Pascal Siakam being traded. But funny enough, the most significant trade that we've had so far from a DFS perspective, Josh, is uh, potentially the Marvin Bagley's on the Wizards now. And Marvin Bagley is, by all accounts, going to be the highest-owned player on today's team, or on today's slate, which should be really fun. And for a valid reason. Um, Apparently, I've been continuing to label the contenders videos of 2023, not 2024. So uh, thanks to Joseph Ramirez for pointing out that I have been labeling this stuff incorrectly. He said, Josh, how long are you going to keep up the 2023 bit on the contenders video? I did not know what he meant. Turns out the bit is the fact that I never changed the year. Uh, I do think I do think it's funny, though, that you could cover up any mistakes. You may just be like, ah, it's a bit. It's a bit. I'm doing it for yep. gags. What's funnier than having the date wrong? Yep, exactly. Exactly. I like this slate. I hope it I hope we get this slate like 12 hours from now or whenever the slate actually happens, however many hours that is, 9 hours. I don't know, I'm bad at math in the mornings. I like it. I'm in, I'm intrigued by it. But there's a chance that it's really disgusting. And that's sort of the worst part of it all. It's uh, it's going to be weird. It's going to be weird. I'm really excited to see the new look Pacers. We're not going to have Pascal Siakam out there tonight, but when yeah. we do see him make his debut, I, this Pacers seem to be really, really good. I, I think they're great. I mean, I think they're like a borderline could host a first round playoff series type team. You know, you tell me they're like the fifth best team in the East. I believe that. And then they have plenty of ammunition to change that and try to find somebody else to put around these guys. Plenty of picks into the future. You know, they didn't give anything up. Other than that 2026 pick, which is top four protected, they're not encumbered to anything else in the future. So I like what I like what they're doing. I, I like the move. Like, am I a big Siakam fan? Not really, but they have no other mechanism to get somebody of his talent level in. So got to do what you got to do. Get better. Yeah, and people in the chat see Bossbro saying that Siakam for three first rounders is egregious. I honestly don't even know which side you think it's egregious for. Yeah, we're talking about a guy, all NBA player. Um, it's not like we need to stop thinking that first round pick is like a catch all term because they're not all the same. 
right now the the two two of the picks are in 2024 neither one of them is projected to be in the lottery the 2026 pick is top four protected and obviously indiana is trading for pascal siakam so that their 2026 pick with pascal siakam and tyrese halliburton is not a good pick like that that should make that pick all like not all that interesting they didn't get a 2028 unprotected and a 2030 unprotected where they they are very different assets than the picks that went out in this trade and something else about it the 2024 and by the way also i'd, I'd still be interested to hear from Bossboro which which side does he think it's egregious for the 2024 draft is also supposedly dog shit like i'm not that well informed on what different draft classes look like but my understanding <laughs> is that this is supposed to be like an all-time bad draft this year so i generally hate the way that that gets talked about for one very good reason. When people say that, what they're saying is there's not a generational talent at the top of the draft. I find it incredibly difficult to believe that like the average 10th pick varies across drafts. When you get down that far, you're creating so much variance. We have You have so little confidence in the picks that are being made that my assumption is whether they think a draft is strong or weak, doesn't really matter when you're talking about not the top two picks of the draft. Yeah. And also I don't have context to know actually, like, is it like, I know that Zach Eady is, is expected to be a lottery pick. Whereas last year, yeah. if he was in the draft, he wasn't even expected to be a second round pick. So take that for what it's worth, but I don't, I'm not well informed enough on the draft to have my own opinions on it. I'm just regurgitating what I've heard from uh, yeah. other draft analyst people. It's a bad draft when it's not a draft someone wants to tank to get the first pick. That's just like how it is. You look you look back at the the last time there was a bad draft. It's the Oladipo Anthony Bennett draft. Like there's still loads of talent in that draft further down the line. So you might not be stoked that you tanked and got the first pick in the same way that you would in some other drafts, but I think if like if you're picking ninth I think picking ninth in that this draft is the same as picking ninth always. Could be. That's my thought. Could be. We will find out. I don't out. think we can project that shit well enough to be confident. It's hard enough to project the top dudes. You're just buying lottery tickets at the bottom. So I tend to like become more interested. Like if people look at it like that, I tend to see the opposite side. Can I get more in this draft because people don't want it? Could be, although it does we'll seem that uh, the, the Raptors kind of got a short end of the deal, at least a little bit in terms of assets, because I assume that given when they made the trade, they were able to get something for Siakam, but I assume they would have gotten way more if they traded him in the offseason or traded him last year around the deadline. Feels like they could have gotten a bit more a year earlier, but I think they did pretty well. I don't hate it. But it'll be very interesting to see what they do with Bruce Brown. Like, if they flip him again for another first, then we're talking about trading Pascal Siakam for four firsts. It starts to look a little bit better. Well, you ready for this yeah. one? Let's do it because we are right away going to be getting into uh, dumb trades that are impacting this slate. The Washington Wizards are 11 point underdogs in New York, 236 total. The caveat for this one only one man shows up on the Washington Wizards injury report for today, and that is Daniel Gafford, who is out with a concussion. Uh, interestingly enough, the backup center was traded to the Detroit Pistons. The third string center was traded to the Detroit Pistons. 
The only center that's left on the Washington Wizards is the one they received in the trade. That would be 4K center only Marvin Bagley, who is currently projected for 60% ownership. And every bit of that makes sense. I have him in 94% of the lineups that I made. As of this moment, if Locke was right now, he is so overwhelmingly the number one contender. A super uh, number one contender. I'm, I'm, I'm talking my video. <laughs> the number one play on the slate. As long as he is named the starter, you feel incredible about going to Bagley. For sure. And it's like you said, you look at the depth chart for the Wizards and you try to figure out who you could assign center minutes to. And with Daniel Gafford being out, Daniel Gafford, Daniel Gafford's in the concussion protocol. They've got Marvin Bagley. Are they going to play small ball lineups against the Knicks and play Kuzma or obvious center minutes? Maybe for some minutes, because they have to figure out somebody else that they get on the court to play center minutes. They do have uh, Tristan Vuksevich, who is also somebody who's a real name that is on their roster, who maybe he is somebody that is going to have to play center minutes for them. But I mean, you look at this team. I know Anthony Gill has played center minutes for them at some point, but you, you have to give Marvin Bagley at least 25 minutes to fill out the rotation. And at his price point, he's the best value play on the slate by really wide margin. I went 26. Um, Patrick Baldwin is the guy that seemed to have gotten those backup center minutes. They've got Anthony Gill. They've got um, Omer Yuri, who is, you know, sort of functions in that role as like a small ball, uh, like PJ Tucker at the five type dude. I don't know who the hell you're talking about. I don't see that guy on uh, their roster at all on basketball reference. So I don't know this Vooch character you're making up, but it doesn't matter. I don't see a scenario where Marvin Bagley's not starting this game. I don't know. I don't know what they would, unless they're going to just go crazy and go Kuzma at the five, which I don't think is going to work against Hartenstein. I also, but there's another point of it too. It's like, do the Wizards even give a shit what works or what doesn't work? It sure don't. You know, like they're they're one of the worst teams in the NBA. They're 12 point underdogs in this game. From just a standpoint of how we think about positions, it makes most sense for them to start Marvin Bagley. It's what I expect them to do. But it's not like I could say, like, oh, no, they started Kuzma at center. It totally screws up their chance of winning. Like, it's not even something that's on their radar. So I assume it's Bagley that starts at center, but I can't, like, 100% say that. I would be surprised if they went in a different direction. The problem if he doesn't start at center is just, like, we don't know what they want to do with Marvin Bagley. We've never seen him play for the Wizards yet. So that's where it starts to become this really big problem. But the moment he's named the starter, he's the best play on today's slate. Now, he's 5K power forward center on FanDuel, so... He's a different kind of play there. The price isn't as just no doubt about it, but you also unlock the forward spot, which makes him easier to get to. So it kind of negates that price increase. But at 4K on a five-game slate, I don't know how you avoid it. Yeah, it is. It's the best play on the slate by a lot right now. And even when I was running lineups through the Sims, I was kind of screwing around with Marvin Bagley and seeing like, all right, what happens if I reduce his minutes a little bit? What happens if I bring his projection down a couple of fantasy points and he still shows up the, the least amount of exposure I could get to Marvin Bagley by muting his projection. Josh was like 70%. That was the yeah, least. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I got 94%. The really interesting piece is that no one else on the wizards looks good because the Knicks are 10th in defense and dead last in pace. This is an awful matchup. If it wasn't for this trade, we would basically talk about the wizards as if we didn't want to play them, but because of Bagley, He's the best play, and I don't think that anybody else looks any good. I agree with you. And even as far as Bagley goes, it's it's solely because of price point. It's not like it's not like we're expecting to go out and score like 35 fantasy points or anything like that. It's just 
He's cheap. He's expected to play mid-20s minutes as a guy who averages about a fantasy point per minute. That's what gets Bagley into lineups. As for the rest of the players, the player I got the next most of behind Marvin Bagley is Jordan Poole, and that was 5% of him. I have 4% of Jordan Poole, 6% of Bilal Koulibaly, which I think is just a small forward thing that's happening. Um, they look bad. They just they look bad. But the moral of the story is play all of the Marvin Bagley. Because, Gotta do it. Yeah. I know he's not going to start, and it's going to drive me insane. <laughs> if he doesn't start, the minutes are going to be very annoying to predict. And yeah. I'll be really interested to see what Bagley's ownership projection is if he comes off the bench, because this is going to be a situation if he comes off the bench, it's nearly impossible to project. If he's still yeah. super chalky coming off the bench, I'll look elsewhere. But then on the flip side, if he comes off the bench and nobody's playing him, then I'm going to be inclined to want to get there because there would still be the potential for him to play. So if he starts playing him, no matter what, if he comes off the bench, I'm going to look to see what the ownership is. We move it over to the Knicks side. Now they are on the back-to-back, so hard to say anything. I'm just going to go with the same rotation they always run, which luckily for us, for the Knicks on a back-to-back, you can make your assumptions pretty easily. Now, if they could rule somebody out, that's just going to make things look a little bit better, but they are a pretty easy team to project on a day where you don't have their injury report. 30 to 35% ownership to Jalen Brunson, 30 to 35% ownership coming into Julius Randle. It's incredible what happens to the best players on a team when they get to face the Wizards. It's almost like you get a little bit of a bump. We've got uh, about 15% coming into Ananobi, Josh Hart, and Hartenstein. Uh, some scattered ownership coming into some of the other guys. Let's start with Brunson and Randall, who mm-hmm. on paper for me really stand out as awesome plays. I'm neutral to the field, so I've got 30 something percent of both of them. Yeah, I am overweight to each of them. I have uh, both Randall and Brunson in about half of my lineups, and it's solely because of the matchup. So there is some risk of blowout. I'm sure people are going to bring that up over the course of the day where they say that, hey, there's a really wide spread in this game. They don't want to play these players. Here's the issue with that, other than the fact that, you know, 12 points, there is blow risk, but it's not like overwhelming to the point where you have to really take it too much into consideration. But here's something else as well. Minnesota, Memphis, Minnesota favored by 12 points in that in that game. And then we've got the Kings Pacers game where the Kings are favored by seven and a half. But partly that's because Tyrese Halliburton is questionable. So if Halliburton is out in that game, then the Kings become favored by around 12 points. And then you run into an issue where three out of the five games on the slate have 12 point spreads. If that's going to be the situation, well, you can't write off three fifths of the slate. So you just kind of got to play it as is and hope that you're not too exposed any individual blowout situation it's just one of the risks that we have to play on the slate yes we do and i said it yesterday and i'll say it again today if your first thought when you look at these things like washington plus 11 or memphis plus 13 like i'm very nervous about the blowout then you should be betting all of these unders you should immediately if, if that's how this works where when good team plays bad team star players just don't succeed you should be betting these unders that should be a blind bet for everybody or you should just play it out the way that everybody else thinks you should play it out which is it's not going to be a blowout all that frequently and the entire industry of the people that are making this information are going to project julius randall and jalen brunson to play like 35 or 36 minutes so uh i can tell you what we're going to do and that's going to project those guys like they're going to play big minutes and we're going to play them in quite a bit of lineups what are you doing with the guys that are getting 15 percent ownership because we've got Hart, mm-hmm. ananobi and Hartenstein. I've got one of them. I'm half on another, and I have zero of a third. But I am getting to 15% of a completely different guy from the New York Knicks. Okay, so I'm going to guess here. I'm going to I'm gonna have some guesses. The player that you don't have any of, 
I'm going to guess is Josh Hart. You would be incorrect. Isaiah uh, Hartenstein. Okay, Hartenstein. That would have been my other one. And then... Uh, it doesn't help that I have 90% of Marvin Bagley, so I'm running out of center spots. All right, fair, fair. That's a good point. So then if you do not have Hartenstein, I am going to guess that means you're getting too precious to Chua. I am getting to Dante DiVincenzo. 0 for 2, Greg. All right. So the pressure to Chua guess was me thinking from a leverage purpose, which is like, sure. hey, if he's not getting Hardenstein, maybe he's giving a Chua some extra minutes. He's got the power forward eligibility, easier to fit alongside Marvin Bagley. But if we go ahead and we look at uh, the Hardenstein situation, I totally agree where you're coming from because yeah. I also don't get a ton of Hardenstein because if you are going to have Marvin Bagley in nearly all of your lineups, that is one center spot that's taken up yeah. and Hardenstein only has center eligibility. So that is definitely something that uh, makes sense to me. And then, and it's not to say that he doesn't look good because he does. 15% ownership, 17% optimal rate. Like he looks like a good play. If you like Isaiah Hardenstein, that's not what I'm talking you out of. Yeah. And I'm curious. So the, um, you said that one of these guys you're overweight to, one you're at the field, and one you don't have any of? I have, I'll, I'll just give it to you right now. I'm okay. under the field on Josh Hart, and I'm a little bit over on Ananobi. Okay. Uh, so of these three, Ananobi is really interesting to me. He's only projected for 12% ownership. He's 6,000, and he hasn't had the best fantasy outcome since coming to the Knicks. And, you know, he's not a primary focus of the offense for them, where it's Jalen Brunson has the ball in his hands a lot. Julius Randle has the ball in his hands a lot. But the minutes that we have seen out of OG Ananobi in the last couple of games is ridiculous. Against yeah. the Orlando Magic, 44 minutes. Against the Houston Rockets, 33 minutes. A game against the Dallas Mavericks, which was four games ago. He played 39 minutes. This game being uber competitive until the end, sure, it is not the overall most likely scenario in a 12-point spread. But if this game does stay within a few possessions, Ananobi could be playing 40 minutes at a depressed price point against the Wizards at minimal ownership. He is somebody that I'm going to be going into the Sims and giving a manual ROI boost to, to get him into more lineups, because I think there's a real upside here that isn't going recognized. Yeah, I went 37 minutes. We have 34 and a half. Somehow we have basically the exact same fantasy projection as well. But yeah, I, I mean, he's just, he's playing massive minutes like he always does. Back-to-back -back games of 43 and 44, 39, four games ago, as you mentioned, like the minutes are just there. And I don't really see any scenario, like, that doesn't seem weird to me. I don't expect it to change. He's played massive minutes before for Toronto. Tibbs loves playing his dude's massive minutes. I don't see any signs that he's going to like let up. I think he's more likely to establish 38 as a baseline than suddenly come in and start playing 34 every night. Yeah, so uh, OG Ananobi, and also, you know, part of it, it's a new player on a new team. It, it could take a minute for him to get acclimated before they really find out his true role here. His usage has not been very high, but the minutes are really hard for me to ignore against the Wizards. There's a real ceiling. Do you like anything else here for the Knicks? Not really. I'm not getting any of these guys off the bench in any kind of real meaningful way. I'm not getting myself to press to chew a lineups. Miles McBride is super expensive from the time that he was starting when Jalen Brunson was out, so... There's nothing else that really looks all that appealing to me. I know that you're getting your Dante DiVincenzo shares. I'm not quite getting there, but it's, it's a really good matchup against the Wizards, clearly. All righty, folks, hit that like button. About 300 people here. We can get that number up to 100 if you want to. Schedule for the rest of the day. Very, very easy if you're interested in watching all of the things that we do. NHL Strategy Show at 2 p.m. And then 5.30, I'm back for the deeper dive. Greg is back at 6.30. 
for NBA Live Before Lock. We also want you to use our avatar. I tell you every day, and I'm going to tell you again today. Go to stochastic.com slash avatar. Grab our logo. Use it at DraftKings, FanDuel, Owner's Box, Yahoo. Finish in the top three of a contest with 5,000 or more entries, and you get one month of whatever you want at Stochastic. If it's the NBA Sims package, that's projections, ownership, boom bust, discord, contest generator, lineup generator, the Sim tool itself. Everything you could possibly want behind the paywall, you would get it. It's a $200 value. All we need you to do, tweet that result at Stochastic HOF. Show us the contest. Show us the lineup. We want to show you off. We want to show our logo off at the top of a contest. Win-win for both of us, and it costs you $0, not a cent. All you have to do is use the logo. The Chicago Bulls are two-point favorites in Toronto, 225 total. For Chicago, they got some weird stuff going on. Q-tag on Desunmu, Q-tag on Patrick Williams. Both of those things, I think, are very relevant for mm-hmm. today. 10% ownership, 10 to 15 on Kobe White, DeMar DeRozan, Vooch, Levine. 25 coming into Patrick Williams. I'm getting to quite a bit of Chicago. Only guy I'm under on is Zach Levine. So for uh, me, by the way, I'm also slightly under on Levine. Nothing crazy, though. He's in 10% of my lineups where he's projected for 15% ownership. The player that's going to matter the most to me, and this is not a player who would normally matter, but it's a five-game slate, Patrick Williams. Patrick Williams is uh, probably the second-best value option on the slate right now behind Marvin Bagley for a couple of reasons. Partially, it's because there's only five games and there isn't all that much value on the slate. He's cheap, but another part of it, too, is the positionality, the small forward and power forward eligibility at only a $3,700 price tag. The big question just becomes, is Patrick Williams going to play or not? If he is at $3,700, he's a fairly safe way to save money in your line of slate. You pay up for some studs. And then if he is out and Desunmu is out on a five-game slate, once again, this wouldn't matter a whole ton like a 12-game slate or something like that. But for today, if Patrick Williams and Desunmu are both out, well, then all of a sudden you're projecting Alex Caruso for north of 30 minutes. And then he goes from somebody who I don't really have all that much interest in to probably somebody who's in like 20% of my lineups. But Patrick Williams is one of my most rostered players on the slate right now. And it's not because he projects for a ton of fantasy points or anything. He is my most exposed bull. Mm-hmm. So I am with you there. He is ninth in exposure for me for the entire slate but i'm getting to a lot of the bulls 20 percent of kobe white 26 percent of DeRozan, 18 of vooch i've got a couple shares of alex baker uh it's just pretty easy to get to chicago today and it's not all that scary of a toronto team now that their best player isn't on the team any longer yeah i mean they lost pascal siakam they've lost og ananobi so those are the two best defensive players then you also got Jakob hurdles banged up right now they're playing on a tail end of a back-to-back one thing that i think is really hard to do know what's going to happen with these scenarios josh but i do feel pretty good about this i think toronto's about to start playing at a much faster pace than they played earlier in the year yeah i think so too well as long as Jakob Pertl's out. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's what I mean. When, when yeah. you look at the lineups that they're going to be playing, especially because they've been playing like a lot of Thad Young at center, you know, Thad's super wash, but lineups with Thad Young are going to play faster with him at center than with Jakob Pertl at center. God, chat is so stupid. I wish I could mute the entire damn thing every single day. It's incredible. Um, let's say we don't get Patrick Williams, which is possible. Hasn't played the past two games. And let's say we don't get Io DeSumo. Mm-hmm. Are we unearthing any more value here from Chicago? Is, does this become like a Javon Carter day? 
or like where Dalen Terry? Does does this become a Dalen Terry value day? So I don't think it's going to be Dalen Terry because I thought we were going to be getting a Dalen Terry game. Was it two games ago when the Bulls had guys out? And then Terry only ended up playing three minutes. I think it was in that spot. I'll pull up the rotations in the game log so that I can recall. But yeah, last three games, four, three, and eight minutes for Dalen Terry. So it's going to be hard for me to expect too much out of him because don't forget, as far as the Bulls injury report goes, I mean, we've had Patrick Williams's missed games. We have seen Desunmu in, but I, I tend to think it's going to be Javon Carter that they go to before Dalen Terry. Just to put this out there for you, mm-hmm. it was a different matchup, but on the 15th, they played 11 minutes of Andre Drummond and Nikola Vucevic alongside of each other. Uh, Andre Drummond, 5K. If you could expect those minutes, you would play him. I don't know how many minutes you could actually expect them to do that. They said they were going to do it. You and I, we talked about this. Well, maybe it was actually only Lee that I talked about this with, but when Vooch first came back from injury, I'm watching a Bulls game and they're doing one of those like right before halftime interviews with the coaches or maybe it was in between quarters and they, they were talking to Billy Donovan and he said the drum was playing so well that he felt obligated to give him the opportunity to play more minutes. And the only way for him to do that with Vooch coming back was that he was going to play Drummond and Vooch minutes together. And I do think that's something that they're going to do from time to time going forward because Drummond did play well when Vooch was out and they want to keep giving him playing time. So I do expect them to overlap, maybe not for the 11 minutes, but I do think there's going to be some overlap at times. Okay. Anything else for Chicago? No, it's it's going to be really important to Patrick Williams' news. If he ends up playing, he's going to be in a lot of my lineups. You and me both. Uh, the Raptors are going to be in a lot of your lineups, I guess, because they're pulling a lot of ownership. 36 to Gary Trent, 30 to R.J. Barrett, Scotty Barnes, and Thad Young. 25 to Emmanuel Quickly. Very, very interesting team to talk about. I have either gigantic stands on somebody neutral stands on somebody or two basic full fades of 30% owned players wild night for Toronto Raptors another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where Bank of America can help for your financial to do's Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, so if we go ahead and look at Toronto, it's going to be the uh, same situation here where there is no Pascal Siakam because he's traded away from the team. One thing that I was annoyed by, Josh, is a couple of my best lineups yesterday at Emmanuel Quickly in them, and yeah. he was crushing. And I'm looking at my lineups like, oh, maybe I have a chance to have some lineups that, you know, break into like the top 10 of the big DK GPP last night. And then they just didn't play Emmanuel Quickly down the stretch of the mm-hmm. game when he was like one assist and two rebounds away from a triple double. Would have made a massive difference for me on last night's slate. The, the situation that's really hard for me to figure out with Toronto is what the hell to do with these center minutes because – Jonte Porter played really well in the first quarter yesterday. Same deal as a couple nights ago. Gets into foul trouble and they just go, fuck this guy. And they forget he exists. He gets in foul trouble. They put him on the bench and they forget to put him back in. So I don't know what they intend to do with Jonte Porter minutes if he avoids foul trouble because he's been a good fantasy producer when he's on the court. I guess he starts again. 
But yeah, but I, I just don't know what they're intending to do with his playing time. I went 20 minutes. Uh, makes it pretty hard to get to him at 4,600. Like you've got Bagley out there, $600 cheaper, probably playing more minutes. The guy that you kind of have to look at then is Thad Young at 3,900, center only, pulling 28% ownership, a, a very natural Marvin Bagley pivot. I have 2% Thad Young. We have him uh, 2x optimal to ownership rate, though. So obviously, that's a little bit different. It will not look like that by the time we get to lock. I just don't know what direction it goes. Yeah, it's it's a scenario where right now we have Thad Young project for 28% ownership and Porter's 0.5%. If that does end up holding, I think Porter is, and I agree with you, I don't think it is going to hold. If that is the case, though, I think Porter's a really, really strong leverage play. Yeah. Like... The optimal rate, I've said this before, the optimal rate of 50% for Thad Young is correct with the assumptions that we have in for right now. Thad Young is not an optimal play today, 50% of the time. There's not enough confidence in his playing time, the playing time of Jonte Porter, the playing time of Chris Boucher, whatever's going on in Toronto. Like Bagley makes a little bit more sense in that scenario because of what's going on. But I will not feel comfortable having Thad Young 50% optimal off the bench for the Raptors today if Jonte Porter is the starter. And then if, I guess the ownership is going to change if Porter's starting, but yeah. uh, I would, de- if he does start, I'm playing him at 0.5% ownership, if that holds. Yeah. Yeah. I, I It's certainly worth a, on a five, five game slate, certainly worth the flyer. There's, there's nothing that like, if you just look at his rotations from this most recent game, could he have closed the second quarter without foul trouble? Sure. And then once again, this one's weird. He played 90 seconds to start the third quarter. He didn't pick up a foul, and they still took him out immediately. <laughs> well, like, yeah. Why are they starting Jonte Porter for two trips down the floor and then just yanking him off? I, <laughs> pause. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm with, like, Porter is very clearly a natural pivot to Thad Young in this matchup, but paying attention to that relationship between optimal rate and ownership will be very important through the day. You would really enjoy spending more time in our Discord channel. That was that was a statement right out of Discord, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. What do you want to do with the rest of this Toronto team? You got a bunch of other guys pulling 30% ownership, and I'm going to let you know right now, I don't have a single share of Scotty Barnes. So uh, I do have shares of Scotty Barnes, but that said, I'm a little bit underweight to him, but he's got really good position eligibility on DraftKings point guard and small forward eligible. His price tag at $8,100, that is also really favorable. He should be seeing more usage going forward without Pascal Siakam. So is your reasoning for not getting him just because of his ownership, or is it something else you're seeing that you don't like about Scotty Barnes? Honestly, I'm not entirely sure. I was a little surprised to see it. I don't think that I have him projected in any sort of like ridiculous way. He's been at 1.22 fantasy points per minute over the past month. We have him at 1.26. I have him at 1.20. I mean, that's we're basically all on the same number there within a hundredth or five hundredths of a point either direction. I went 36 minutes, so I don't mind that piece at all. I, it, I think it might just be a function of what's around him. He's at 8,100. You've got Carl Anthony Towns at 8K, one-third the ownership. That stands out to me. So I'm getting to Carl Anthony Towns in a bigger way. Above him, you've got Markin at 8,300. You've got Anthony Edwards at 8,400. You've got Jalen Brunson at 8,500. All of those guys are soaking up a pretty decent chunk of ownership for me at this moment. I, I think he's just sort of... 
I, I honestly, I don't have a great answer for why he's not showing up because right. the positionality would make me think that I would get some and I legitimately have a flat zero. So something sorting him out of my best stuff. The other player who I think is uh, fairly over-owned on Toronto that people are really going to want to play today is Gary Trent Jr., who yesterday ended up having a really big fantasy game, but so much of it was because of shooting variants and nothing else. He scored, let's see, what was the final? 28 real-life points on 10 of 13 shooting from the field, 8 of 9 from 3, and added basically no other stats. So if you just get a normal shooting game from Gary Trent yesterday, like let's say he shoots, you know, like three of nine from three or something like that, as opposed to making 89% of his three-point attempts, then just has like a pretty standard fantasy game for his price point. I'm not going to tell you he's not in play at $4,300. He is. He's just way too owned based on what we saw yesterday. I think that's really driving a lot of the ownership here. $4,300, good price point. Play him in cash games. In tournaments, though, I am not going to be near the close to 40% the field is playing him at. Yeah, I'm not going to be near that 40% either. I have 60, uh, 4,300 point guard shooting guard. I have a ton. We have him under projected. We have him at 20 and a half fantasy points mm -hmm. in 29 minutes. That's 0 0 0.71 fantasy points per minute. He's normally a 0.8 guy. He's 0.83 over the past 30 days. I have a hard time believing that we're chopping off a tenth of a point from him to step into this role. Now, the matchup is rough. It is a pace down spot. So you do kind of dial down fantasy points per minute in a slower pace matchup. But I think we're a little pessimistic on Gary Trent. Now, 13% optimal, 36% ownership. That is even just getting that up to like four, 23 fantasy points is not going to close that gap all the way. But I like the that like if he's starting again, I think we have to assume he's playing about 30 minutes and then... The price tag still works. If he just continues to start, we know that Gary Trent is going to be 5K and not 4,300 in a week. Like that price will not be what it is now. So I have to take the value when I can get it. Yeah, we see this one a little bit differently. And once again, like I, I understand the reasons for playing Gary Trent, but yesterday he played garbage time. He finished with 31 minutes. And then also like they didn't play quickly in the fourth quarter very much. Yeah. And I if it was not for Gary Trent making nearly every single shot he took, I don't think he closes that game out in the fourth quarter. I think it would have been quickly to finish out the game. And then instead of the 31 minutes that we saw out of Gary Trent, then it could have been 27 or 28 minutes. And then you also have to factor in that if he just had a normal shooting game, then he would have had a fairly mediocre fantasy performance yesterday. So that's where I see him as being over-owned. But we'll so see what the Do you think Schroeder like closes over Gary Trent? I, I'm not exactly sure, but yesterday, I think it would have been the backcourt of Schroeder and quickly to get, cause they were playing Schroeder alongside Gary Trent in the fourth quarter yesterday. And it was quickly who was on the bench. I don't have a great feel there for who they think or for who I think is going to close. And that, that might, that does actually bring in, maybe I should be bringing Gary Trent down a minute or so. Because he doesn't have to be out. Like they that that little group can wiggle if it needs to. Well, what do we have him for minutes? Do we have him at who? 30? Uh, We've Trent. got Trent at 29 and Schroeder at 27 and a half. Yeah, so in 29 minutes, we have Trent for 20.75 fantasy points. So if you gave him the two more minutes, then he's at like 22 and change which would get him into a little bit more of the lineups that I've built. But I don't think the 29-minute projection we have on him is unreasonable. 
No, I think I might like I have them at 30. I might drop that down to 29. The problem is there's really just not a lot of other places these minutes are going like they're not going to they're not giving big minutes to anybody else. They're kind of just playing a certain chunk of dudes, everything. And that for right now, without any backup of like bringing Bruce Brown in, I think Schroeder quickly Barnes, Trent and Barrett are just going to soak up everything they can to a degree. Yeah. Uh, so for me, I, I'm going to make the guess that we see more of quickly tonight than we saw yesterday. And uh, to me, it was a little bit out of the ordinary that quickly only played 30. And I would assume those minutes, a couple of them maybe come from Dennis Schroeder and then from Gary Trent as well. Boucher, any, anything, can you, do you, can you roll those dice at 3,800? You could roll the dice at 3,800. I'm not doing it as of now though. And the guy that I want to play, which is just based on our current ownership is Jonte Porter. But I don't think he's actually only going to be 0.5% owned if he starts. Keep it moving. We can keep it moving. Oklahoma City Thunder, three-point favorites in Utah against the hottest team in basketball, Utah Jazz, 246 total here. This one's kind of wild. No injury report at all for OKC. Only one guy getting any relevant ownership on the DraftKings side. That is 31% coming into SGA, and I don't begrudge anybody to do that. You've got all this value at center. It becomes very, very easy to get to Shea. I have 4% at this moment. That is the high mark of anything that I have for the Thunder. I'm basically not getting here, but by all means, SGA looks great as a payoff if you can get there. Yeah, I'm getting to SGA right now. I'm curious to see what happens if Patrick Williams is ruled out and I lose that piece of value at the small forward power forward position because then I think it becomes very difficult to get to SGA. But as of right now, where I get a chunk of lineups that have Patrick Williams in them, a little bit easier to spend up to SGA. You get get Marvin Bagley in the front court, like you mentioned, as a center spot. You get Patrick Williams as a forward guy who's really cheap. Then just naturally where it makes the most sense to pay up would be for a backcourt player. And that's where SGA comes into play. Uh, So in a weird way, how much ownership I have on SGA is probably going to hinge on whether Patrick Williams plays or not. Just Oh, those are the slates you love. (laughs) Everything hinges on whether or not Patrick Williams is the first guy off the bench for the Bulls. (laughs) Do you like anything else here from the Thunder? Like, I I don't... These guys just aren't priced in a great manner, whether that's Dort, Giddy, Free free Josh Giddy, by the way, and then uh, Chet Holmgren, 7,800. Like, fine. Totally reasonable option to get to. No priorities here. No, and these guys are close to their ceiling prices for the year. You know, Chet's been pretty stable as far as salary is concerned, but Jalen Williams is $7,200. Josh Giddy is $6,200. And I know that Giddy's played better as of late. Maybe he is benefiting from some peace of mind now that his off-court issues have seemingly been resolved. But if you look at the way that the Oklahoma City Thunder have been utilizing him, even though he's had some big fantasy performances over the last couple of weeks, it's not anything that's going to be what we could project because his minutes are just not there. And yeah. and his usage isn't really there either. Some of his big games, it's like the game he had against Portland. He had a triple-double in 22 minutes, and he shot 100% from the field. So nothing about that is anything that you could project to continue to be any kind of sustainable performance. He hasn't played over 30 minutes in north of two months now. And his recent games, he played 19 minutes against the Clippers. He played 21 minutes against the Lakers. His usage isn't all that high this year. 
So he's had some big games as of late. He is somebody who has a fantasy-friendly game if he gets extended minutes, but it just hasn't been how OKC has utilized him this year. And the fact that he's starting as well with SGA, that also takes the amount of time that Giddy would normally have the ball in his hands out of his hands because why would you want anybody other than SGA using possessions when SGA is on the court? So I really only like SGA much from the from the Thunder tonight. I am getting to a different pay-up option that is getting half the ownership of SGA. So we'll talk about him in a little bit. Go to the Utah side. These guys are the biggest pains in the ass in the league <laughs> right now. But just assume everybody's projected for 10% ownership. The whole team, all 10 dudes that play except for Agbaji are going to be like 10% owned. It's disgusting. I don't know what to do with it. The last time out, here are the minutes that were played for their 10-man rotation. 28, 26, 24, 24, 20, 23, 21, 25, 23, 16. They're just playing everybody like 24 minutes a night. It's the most irritating thing in the world. I don't know how you project it. I don't know how you feel good about it. The most I have of anybody is Fontecchio at 14%. I also have shares of every single starter except for O'Shea Akbaji. When I say starter, uh, every single rotation piece except for Akbaji. I don't know what to do. The only player whose minutes I feel really good about is Markkinen's. He only played 28 minutes last game, but it was a blowout. They won by how much? They won, yeah, they won by 27 against the Pacers. So that was one thing that limited Markkinen's minutes. $8,300, I think he's the best guy to get to on the team because he is the player who I could most confidently say probably plays 32, 33, 34 minutes. The other issue with what you had mentioned, Josh, about how it's really hard to know what to do with a lot of these players' minutes is it this is maybe the best the team playing at the highest level in the league right now? They're they're crushing everybody. So there's no reason to think that they're going to be changing what they're doing right now. Like they're, no. they're coming off a blowout win over the Pacers. The game before that, they beat the Lakers. For that blowout win over the Raptors, blowout win over the Nuggets, blowout win over the Bucks, blowout win over the 76ers. So they're not only beating up on teams, they're playing some of the best teams in the NBA and winning pretty handily just by spreading out minutes and going with a really deep rotation, I have to think this is what they're going to keep unless something breaks for them. Because if it's if it's working, don't change it. And this is a team that's playing so far above what their talent level is. Yeah. Yeah, I just like, I've scattered amounts of all of these dudes. 6% of Clarkson, 6% of Olenek, 6% of George, 6% of Chris Dunn. Like, it's... There's no nobody that look the guy you want the most is Laurie Markin. And I think we can both agree there. Like if you're going to see one Utah jazz name show up, you'd like it to be the dude that's the best guy on the team. But Colin Sexton's playing 24 minutes a night, 1.3 fantasy points per minute. He's got like a 30% usage rate since they switched to this new lineup 10 games ago. He's got a 30% assist rate since they switched to this lineup, but he only plays potentially like 24 minutes a night. I don't know how to balance any of this. You just got to hope you get the guys right. Like you hope that you get whatever's in the closing lineup. Correct. And the only guy that's going to be in the closing lineup, I think no matter what is Larry Markin. Agreed. And that's why he's the guy I get the most of on the J on the team. It's 15% of them. These other guys, they make their way into some lineups here and there. Like I've got 11% of Chris Dunn, 9% of Fontecchio, uh, 8% of Colin Sexton, 8% of Walker Kessler here. So there's reason to think these individual players have upside. They're good fantasy producers, and they're not all that expensive. It's just the minutes that have so much variance to them. So what I'm hoping happens is that really nobody from OKC for, uh, for Utah goes off in any kind of meaningful way against OKC. And if they do, I just hope that one of those players is in the rest of the nuts in one of my lineups because there's nobody I could confidently be getting a lot of exposure to from Utah. Bet MGM. 
is the sponsor of this show. And if you want to sign up at BetMGM, if you're in a legal sports betting state, click the link in the description or the one that pops up in chat. You bet $5, you will get $158 in bonus bets. Two $50 bonus bets and a $58 bonus bet. This is a Super Bowl promotion. The worst case scenario for you, if you do this, is that you lose all four of those bets. You lose your $5 bet and three bonus bets, but you're only out five of your own dollars if that happens. Best case scenario, you pop one or two of those bonus bets and you are starting off with a really nice bankroll to get out of the gate. My recommendation, honestly, hold on to those bonus bets for the Super Bowl and have a hell of a night. Grab a couple fun lines and make, make it an event if you're an NFL fan. If not, start firing away on the NBA as soon as tonight if you want to. The legal age for gambling in most states is 21 and over. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem, please call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. <sighs> well, you ready for the next one? Yeah, I mean, this is another team that kind of sucks to uh, talk about. The Memphis Grizzlies are 13 and a half point underdogs in Minnesota. 215 total. That is 31 points less than the game we just mm-hmm. talked about and 31 points less than the game we will talk about after this. If you play for Memphis, you're probably on the injury report. Now, Steven Adams, Desmond Bain, Brandon Clark, Jake LaRavia, John Morant, Derek Rose, or Marcus Smart. That's four of your five main starters and like seven of your main rotation dudes. This team is in a bad way, but they're also running low on bodies. And a couple of these guys look great. Um, We've got 15% ownership coming into Zaire Williams, 15% ownership coming into Luke Kennard. 15 coming into Gigi Jackson, 23 to Triple J, and about 10 to Aldama, Vince Williams, Xavier Tillman. We've got some love coming in here. I think one guy greatly outpaces every single other play on this team, but I'm wondering, where are you going for Memphis? So this is another team where the minutes, I think, are very difficult to nail down. Here's the starting five for Memphis last game and how many minutes each guy played. So they started Luke Kennard, Zaire Williams, Vince Williams, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Xavier Tillman. Zaire Williams of the starters played the least amount of minutes. He played 19. The high water mark for the starters was Vince Williams, who played 38 minutes. So he played a shit ton in that game. I don't know that's what they have to do again with their minutes today. So it's, I, I think that if we look at the player as the most upside for minutes relative to last game, I think Zaire Williams has the biggest opportunity to bounce back after only playing sub 20 minutes last game. So I'm going to expect that he plays a bigger allotment of minutes. In that scenario, I want to be getting to more of him than the field because at $4,400 with him project for 14% ownership, I like getting overweight to him, uh, but minimal confidence what his playing time is. I do think there's a massive ceiling there, whereas a team like Utah we just talked about, Josh, I don't think there's a massive ceiling for the minutes for a lot of those guys. They got good players and minutes are going to be spread around. Memphis has shitty players. And there's going to be individual guys that play a ton of minutes based probably on whoever has a good first quarter. So the one I get to the most right now is Zaire Williams. The guy that is also really interesting to me, because there's kind of two that I want to talk about here. 
I hope the second guy is the guy that I have. Is it is it Gigi Jackson? It is Gigi Jackson. Okay, he is currently cool. in 74% of my lineups. He is my he's my dude today. He's my All dude. right. So let's let's see if we're on the same page as this then. Because I mean we're we're both getting to him. So I'm going to assume it's a yes. He appears to be somebody who is able to create offense for himself, which is not something anybody else on Memphis can do. So as a result, yes. we have seen three games that Gregory Jackson's been in the rotation. And in those games, he's a 29% usage rate, 27%, and 21%. The last two games, he played 27 and 29 minutes. If he's going to play minutes in the high 20s, and if he's going to keep this usage rate in the mid-20% range at his price point, he is not popular enough. So uh, two guys that I like for different reasons. Jackson, somebody who is actually going to be able to create offense for himself and take shots coming off the bench. And then Zaire Williams, who I do believe is going to play uh, considerably more minutes, or at least that has the possibility to play considerably more minutes than he played last game. Yeah, I, I only gave him 24 minutes, but he's 4K. And I think there's certainly room for that number to go up for his minutes. And yeah, like I said, he is my he is the guy that is currently not getting the ownership that a 24-minute Gigi Jackson performance should entail. I have a ton, and I expect to have a ton as we get to lock. I don't imagine I'm moving those minutes around. We saw basically a nine-man rotation last time out, although Jake LaRavia ended up getting, you know, he only played like a minute and a half, and then he was gone, and he's not available for this one. I assume we end up seeing like John Conchar or something step into potentially a couple extra minutes, but there's so much playing time to go around here, and Jackson is one of the few guys that can do it on his own. So, uh, unfortunately... They do have a matchup against the number one defense in the league, and this could end up being really bad where we look up and they have, you know, 59 points through the eight minutes through the third quarter. And you're just like, oh, no. But I think Gigi Jackson is the primary option to get to in DFS for Memphis. And uh, just because people are bringing it up in the chat also, yeah, Gregory Jackson at $6,400 on FanDuel, that is a pass. FanDuel, yeah. I don't I don't think that that's the correct price point either. That's a little bit too expensive, but 6400 for Jackson, it's closer to accurate than the 4K price tag DK has on him. What do you want to do with the rest of these guys? Triple J, Luke Kennard, Tillman, Vince Williams, Santi Aldama. There's a lot to kind of like from Memphis. There's certainly opportunity going around. Yeah, so uh, Vince Williams at 6100 that's a little bit too rich of a price tag for me. And then it's also something where I don't expect him to play the same 38 minutes that he played last game. So if he's going to take a step back in playing time, and if we see some more of those minutes go to Zaire Williams, then I don't, I don't really rate Vince Williams quite as highly as what the price tag indicates. And then as far as the other players on the team, Santi Aldama is another guy who's worth taking shots on off the bench. He's projected for sub-10% ownership. Luke Kennard, a lot of the starters I view as being over-owned or overpriced. So uh, Vince Williams, a little bit too expensive for me. Luke Kennard, combination of too expensive as well as a little bit too popular. Uh, Xavier Tillman at $5,500. Not that he projects poorly at $5,500, but this is a slate where we have Marvin Bagley. We've already talked about we want to have him in the majority of lineups and you just kind of run yeah. out of spots for Xavier Tillman. So the guys I get the most of from the team are Zaire Williams and Gregory Jackson. And then off the bench, interest in Santi Aldama as well. Jaron Jackson Jr., fine, but a little bit too popular for me at 22.6%. We talked about how many guys look good around that price tag. Yeah. If he's going to get 23% ownership, I'm just going to be getting to the power forward center that's getting 11% ownership on the opposite side, which would be 
Carl Anthony Towns. Now for Minnesota, they are also on a back-to-back, but this is obviously, if you're going to have a back-to-back, your second game being at home against the Memphis team that's missing like nine rotation guys probably feels like a nice back-to-back to have. 25% ownership to an $8,400 Anthony Edwards, I think looks really good. 11 to Gobert and 11 to Towns. I think Towns looks great. Power forward center, 8K against a team that basically only has Jaron Jackson to deal with him. Um, so I'm 3Xing the field right now for Towns. Certainly a guy that I like getting above the field to. And I like having more, like Jaron Jackson is going to be able to take whatever shot he wants. We're talking about north of 30% usage for Triple J, but it's him and nobody else. Towns out here has the help, has the spacing. So I'm happy to get there. What do you like from Minnesota? Uh, I'm going to add in one thing here. I have a pretty strong hunch that Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert will sit tonight. The last time we saw the Timberwolves play in a back-to-back on the tail end of it, they sat both Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert. This is Mm -hmm. a spot, clearly a very winnable matchup against the Memphis Grizzlies. You mentioned tail end of a back-to-back. I don't think Gobert or Conley play. And if that happens, fire up your $3,900 shooting guard small forward Nikhil Alexander-Walker and fire up your 5K power forward center Nas Reed. In particular, Nas Reed, having that power forward eligibility keeps you... You don't have to start making value center choices. You just feel a lot better about being able to do it. Those guys will look exceptional if they end up out. Yeah, and for people who are wondering the game to look up, so we saw it was Boston against Minnesota on January 10th. Neither Gobert nor Conley played in that game, and we ended up getting uh, 44 minutes out of the game did go to overtime, but still these are massive minutes even if we take away five minutes of overtime play. Cat played 44 minutes. Nas Reed played 37. Edwards played 45. Kyla Anderson started and played 39. Nikhil Alexander-Walker played 40 minutes. So these are guys who last time we saw them rest uh, both Gobert and Conley for a backtrack, they ended up playing just a really condensed rotation, and the starters played a shit ton of minutes, with Nas Reed being the one guy who played significant minutes off the bench at 37. The only other bench guy that played over 10 minutes in that game was Jordan McLaughlin. He played 16 so if we do end up seeing what I think is going to happen, Conley and Gobert both sit a lot of value to get to from Minnesota. Chief amongst them is definitely going to be Car Anthony Towns, like you mentioned. Yeah, they're going to look really good if we end up getting some of these people out. Anything else for Minnesota? No, nothing else that uh, really stands out to me. Just keep an eye on the injury report. That's going to be my uh, my prediction. One thirty, Rudy Gobert and Mike Conley both ruled out. There we go. All right, folks, hit that like button. Let's get that number up over 100. The final thing that we need to talk about is the promo code DRIVE. It gets you the NFL Sims Max package through the rest of the season, all the way through the Super Bowl for $99. You do get the PGA Sims as well through Sunday. If you're looking to play Showdown for Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you can do that too. But if you're looking to see what we've got for the NFL side, projections, ownership, top stacks, Sim tool, Contest generator, all that good stuff on the NFL end. $99. Promo code DRIVE, link in the description. The other late night hammer for tonight has the giant Q tag hanging on it of Tyrese Halliburton also coming back to Sacramento. Seven and a half point dogs, 246 total. Um, Q tag on Halliburton. Q tag on Matherin. Q tag on Aaron Neesmith. Q tag on Obi Toppin. Obviously, Bruce Brown, not around for this one. There's no ownership being projected to Indy. I honestly don't even think that we can talk about it right now. I can say this much. If Halliburton is in, 
we're not going to see a lot that we like for the Pacers just by default. And if he's out, it depends on who's in. It's 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 like you said, I don't even know how we talk about this team because there are guys that we usually wouldn't even care about that are questionable on the injury board, but could potentially matter because if all of these guys are out, then it's like, all right, where are the minutes going to go? Because you've got, like, like you mentioned, Halliburton, Amather, and Neesmith, Toppin, Kendall Brown, Isaiah Wong, uh, Toshibwe, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. They're all listed as questionable on the injury report. And if all these guys are out, then you start to look. It's like, well, they only have like seven, eight active players that they're going to be able to go to then. So we need to know who's in or who's out. If everybody's in, nothing looks good here. But if everybody's out, then it's a really condensed rotation and there's a lot of value because there's going to be cheap guys that just have to play big minutes then. If Halliburton is out, TJ McConnell down to 5,900 now. He becomes like the value play everybody wanted him to be at 7K. Yeah, and... If you look at some of the other players too, like if Matherin sits, if Neesmith sits, I know they've tried to limit the minutes in McConnell. Like we've seen really big games from McConnell where he's only played like 22, 23 minutes. And he's just been yeah. crazy from a points per minute perspective. Something like 1.3 fantasy points per minute with Halliburton off the court this year. They're going to have to play him big minutes if all these guys are out. Yeah, so I'd love to add more utility here, but everything changes based on who's out. I don't expect Halliburton to play today. Like... I, I don't really see it. It doesn't make a ton of sense to me that you would bring him back for this one unless there's just simply the injury was never as bad as it seems and he's totally fine. But it, that just, it doesn't make, that's not the kind of injury you want and you don't want to rush him at this moment, especially do you want to bring him back now and then he never sees Siakam for this entire season? Like that is live to happen if this goes the wrong way. And all it takes is one slip, one step. So I think he's questionable just because he's not far away but I don't think he is likely to play this game today. Yeah, I, I think that's the most likely scenario is that he doesn't play. And it uh, could be interesting for late swap because there's two 10 p.m. Eastern time games. There's a big gap between these games and the early games. And there's a pretty strong chance we won't know at lock what the situation is going to be for the Pacers. By the way, this is the front end of a back-to-back -back for the Pacers. And they have the Blazers tomorrow. So, like, if he's not playing today, you don't bring him back for the Blazers tomorrow. That would be insane. Then their next game is Sunday against the Suns. I think that is probably the most likely scenario where we see Tyrese Halliburton back. Yeah, comes back, plays against the Suns, and then plays, like, slightly limited minutes, like 28 to 30 or something like that. Yeah. I could see if he plays against the Blazers, I think it's to play him, you know, four or five minute rotations, get him on the floor, get him in some competitive games and then ramp him back up for the for the Suns game. But yeah, I just it would be it would be wild to see him today. That said, I hope he plays. It's way cooler if Tyrese Halliburton plays and he goes back to Sacramento. For sure. And he's I mean, he's just been absurd whenever he's been on the court this year. Every every aspect of his game, the efficiency while also taking really difficult shots, the assist rate he doesn't turn the ball over a ton. He's been probably the best offensive backcourt player in the league other than SGA. And then we go to Sacramento. This is my team for today. They're not getting a lot of ownership. And legitimately, I don't understand why. 15% to Monk, 15% to Murray, 15 to Sabonis, 5 to De'Aaron Fox. Can you explain to me why $9,100 De'Aaron Fox is 6% owned today? I don't get it. It's, this is Indiana. It's a terrible defense. Their best perimeter defender is probably not on the team any longer, depending on who you want to say that that is. Though the fourth fastest team, I don't think Fox is like overpriced. He's a 1.2 fantasy point per minute guy normally that increases in this matchup. 
I have 45% of him. I don't know why he's not owned. 45 is a lot more than I have. I do agree sure. he's under-owned at, uh, at 5%. And on FanDuel, even easier to get to. Relatively, he is, you know, he's $9,200. So the, the salary seems about the same, 91 versus 9,200. But it's easier to get to Fox on FanDuel. I was building FanDuel lineups before and was getting to a ton of Fox over there. So at 5% on DK, I get to him in double-digit percent of lineups right now for reasons you mentioned before. It's a very up-paced matchup. I, if I had to take my best guess as to why the field isn't really getting to De'Aaron Fox at the moment is because he hasn't had a mass amount of upside as of late. He scored over 50 fantasy points last game. That was the first time he had done it in about a month. So maybe that is causing people to not project him all that well. But yeah, it does seem a little crazy to me that nobody's playing him at, at this price point in this matchup. Like he's, he's, Shea is beating him six to one in ownership today. That's just insane to me. Like that's not, I will, I, I took ownership away from Shea to give it to De'Aaron Fox. You're saving $1,100. I think the relationship between the ownership on those two guys specifically is out of whack for what we're seeing right now. Like you can if 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 Shea was 23 and Fox was 12, that would look so much more reasonable on paper than six to one. And then yeah. I also didn't get to as much Shea so that I can get to 40% of 10K DeMontis Sabonis, who's 14% owned. Now he has had some big games recently. 1.55 fantasy points per minute. This dude is nuking. I've got 40, 40% of Sabonis too. Give me all of Sacramento and like basically the best matchup in the league. Malik Monk, I'm overweight to. Keegan Murray, I'm overweight to. Sabonis, I'm overweight to. Fox, I'm overweight to. The, the one player I'm not really getting to in the starting lineup is Harrison Barnes. And it's primarily because his minutes are really hard to, yeah. to project. He has played 34 and 32 in the last couple of games, so maybe that's a positive sign for him. But I don't totally buy into it because the games before, 21, 22, 14, and 22 minutes from Harrison Barnes, Maybe his minutes have bounced back and I should be expecting him to play more because if he plays 34 minutes again, he's a pretty strong looking option against the Pacers at $4,300 and 4% projected ownership. But I think the minutes come down a little bit based on what they've been in previous games. I'm with you on that one. I didn't even think about it though. Sabonis revenge narrative here as well. <laughs> of course. And by the way, for somebody in chat who is asking if I was saying that Halliburton is better than Luca, no. Overall, he's not. As far as offense goes just this season, nobody's really been better than Halliburton on offense. Like, you could be comparable to him, but, I mean, you look at dunks and threes, and if you look at his offensive expected EPM, it's plus 8.1 this year. That leads the entire NBA. Second is Jokic. Third is Luka this year. But Halliburton's offensive, he's terrible on defense, which is why these other players are overall better than him. But Halliburton's yeah. offense this year, the numbers don't make sense. Now, I wouldn't expect it to continue going forward, but if you only look at his offensive numbers from this year and nothing else, yeah, his offense this year is insane. He shoots 50% from the field, over 40% from three, nearly 90% from the free throw line, and does that while averaging 12 and a half assists per game with a low turnover rate. He's been flawless on offense. Yes, he has. Uh, just to close out the Kings, I've got a bit of Keegan Murray, a bit of Malik Monk. I don't have much else from Sacramento, but I'm going to have a heavy stand on Fox and Sabonis. And the other benefit to having a very big stand on Fox and Sabonis is that leaves me freedom to do things with Indiana, depending on how it breaks. If I'm going to okay. allocate quite a bit of ownership to those two guys when the field isn't, 
I'm I'm way more opened up to Memphis, Minnesota, Indiana pivots at in that nine to ten window. And I like that. Yeah. And that is something that I think people should be doing. If you're using our NBA tools, if you're using the Sims, if you're using the contest generator, if we get to lock and all the Pacers guys are still questionable, do some ROI positive boosts to players from Sacramento to players from Minnesota to players from Memphis. So that you're backloading your lineups. So that you are able to make swaps off the Pacers news, because if those Pacers guys are questionable heading into lock and they get ruled out, like 40 minutes or so before the game, you're going to give yourself access to the best value plays on the slate from Indiana that the rest of the field won't be able to get to. Anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here? That is it for me. Well, there we go, folks. Thank you for joining us for the strategy show. Greg and I will both be back later for the deeper dive and live before lock respectively. Thanks to BetMGM for being the sponsor. Enjoy your day, everybody. I won't see you guys again until the deeper dive, and then I won't see you again until Monday. So have fun, everybody. I'll talk to you later.